Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pods. Today brought to you from uh, from my car for a change. Our new recording studio. It's, it's, yeah. If by studio you mean recording shack. Yeah, there's keeping <laughs> just about keeping the rain off our heads, which is nice. We've just seen our students get their mock exam results, sir. Yeah, exciting time, emotional times. Emotional times. We saw, we saw a spectrum of emotions. Some people very, very happy. Some people um, thinking to themselves that there is a bit of work to do. And that is why we That's are That's where we here. come in. Absolutely. Uh, so... Before we get into today's poems, today's pair of poems, we should tell you that you can contact us on what email address, sir? Um, EnglishRevisionPod at gmail.com. Fantastic. Please let us know how you're feeling, how you're getting on with your work, anything you'd like us to cover in more detail or cover in the future. The plan is that we're going to work our way through... Turn your phone off, sir. We're trying to do a podcast here. We're we're trying to work our way through... um, the poems, and then we will move on to our next big topic, aren't we? So we're going to yes, do a well, podcast. Hopefully, do every single poem in the anthology. I think. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that was a huge ream of thunder's just gone over us. And what could be more appropriate yes. than a big thunder above the car? Because we are doing. We are looking at the power of the natural world. So the question we're looking at today: compare the ways poets explore the power of the natural world in "Storm on the Island" and one of the poem from "Power and Conflict." Fantastic! Now, this is the one that you've uh, you've been focusing on today. So, tell me about the poem you've chosen and why. Well, I mean, let's start. I mean, I always like to play a game with my year elevens. I might have mentioned this before, called "Did You Fail?" Mm. And I always ask them what poem they choose, and I tell them if they failed or not. Because right. I mean, before we look at the poem that I cho- chose, what do we think of the main poems we could do with this on the power of the natural world? Well, obviously, there's there's a few different ways you could go with it. You could talk about Ozymandias in terms of very specifically, I suppose, that the natural world is greater in power than the the world yeah. of man. And a great comparison there with the because the same things going on, um, you know. Well, it's the opposite in this storm. Yeah. Island. And similarly, we've already talked about exposure. I mean, exposure looks at the power of the natural world in a much more malevolent, insidious way mm. in the way that the the natural world is actually slowly killing these people. But what I've chosen for today is the prelude, or rather the extract from William Wordsworth's poem, The Prelude. It's certainly not the whole thing. It's certainly, because the whole thing is hundreds of pages long. Mm. Uh, but a fantastic read, dear listeners, if you, um, if you want to check it out. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. So before we do anything, just to contextualise what the poems are actually about, the extract from William Wordsworth's poem, um, The Prelude, it, it, it's part of a much longer autobiographical poem. So that means this poem is telling the story of his life. Yeah, and more specifically, it's telling us the story of the development of his poetic imagination. Right, so it's not like I went to the shops and I bought a, a, a box of nails or whatever. It's no, much more it's the, uh... episodes in his childhood that he feels inspired him. So this straight away really helps us understand the prelude when we come on to the, the question. Because in this, in this poem we see the natural world being this terrifying, awe-inspiring 
force that ultimately becomes this muse for him. It, it gives him his poetry. He sees the natural world as the thing that inspires him and enables him to create the art that he then goes on to create. But out of the terrifying power. Of the right, it's world. his fear of the natural world that drives him on. And it's a moment, I'm sure we'll come on to this, but it's a... It's a a real sort of spot in time, as he called them, isn't yep. it? It's, an, it's a quick moment when he realises all of this. Yeah. And if we're looking briefly at some AO3 for Seamus Heaney's poem before we talk about our comparative thesis. Okay. Um, Seamus Heaney is, of course, an Irish poet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his poems develop, uh, engage with, with questions of the natural world, but also questions of Irish identity. Okay. And this poem does both. Of course, it's literally looking at how the islanders respond to the power of a storm that buffets the island. With these a literal storm. Yeah, a literal storm. Mm-hmm. But metaphorically, you can, and this is where our essay is going to move by a conclusion, look at this storm as a, as a, as a symbol of the, the violence of the troubles. Okay. What do you mean by the troubles? So the troubles refers to, of course, the sectarian violence in Northern Ireland between the, the Catholic Republicans who wanted to be part of Ireland mm-hmm. and the Protestant Unionists who wanted to be part of the United Kingdom. Okay, and it, led to, it was a conflict that led to an awful lot of bloodshed and there's a metaphorical depiction of that content yeah. through the representation of the storm. And the crucial thing about this poem, before we look at our comparative thesis, is the answer of the islanders to the violence of this storm is community, togetherness and building deep foundations it's nice isn't it i feel a lot of our podcasts we end up talking about really bleak depressing messages that's quite an optimistic one yeah so should we get on to our thesis then i don't see why not the questions on the power of the natural world and i think the comparative thesis i put this on your sheets for you because i think as i've said many times a good introduction on the poetry question is vital yes don't be that person that just says two poems that show the power of the natural world you need to be precise what are they saying about the natural world how are they similar how are they different so i've gone Mm. with this i said both seamus heaney Storm on the Island and the extract from William Wordsworth 1850 edition of his autobiographical poem The Prelude explore the power of the natural world there is however an immediate difference between them as whilst Wordsworth seemed concerned with the sublime and terrifying power of nature over his childish imagination the focus of Heaney's poem is much broader engaging not simply with the violent side of nature but also with the community's response to such destructive power right and if you if that was a lot of information to take on students but Let's luckily take it apart for you we've got Mr Gally we, we, will, we will take it apart but we should also say that if you are to go into the bio of this podcast you can click on a link and that link will take you straight to this uh, straight to a handout which has all the stuff we're going to cover in this podcast all the key quotations all the context and even that comparative thesis fantastic it's there written out word for word literally amazing so what you're basically saying is i suppose that we're going to look at one poem where the awesome power of the natural world is shown and then another poem where the power is still awesome but this time it's the more kind of um, the more kind of dealing with it side of things rather than, you know, just sort yeah. of... Um, what it's showing here mm-hmm. is uh, a response to such awesome power. Fantastic. Mr. Mr. Forster laughing at the way I pronounced the word show in there. It's a very immature way to approach this, uh, this discussion, I would say. But anyway, from uh, so take us on to our first paragraph. So there. I want to start, before I look at our topic sentence, I want to start by looking at the opening of... Um, of, of, of the two poems and then, con- then contrasting them because obviously in Storm of the Island we see um, a community that are prepared for the storm mm-hmm. in the prelude we see an individual who is totally unprepared for the awe-inspiring power of nature so you could word it something like this from the opening of Storm on the Island Healy constructs his sense of how it is community and continuity which function as the foundations for any human defence against the fury of the elements mm-hmm. something which is quite different 
from how unprepared the speaker seems in the extract from the prelude for the power of the natural world. Nice. So it's, it's quite a long and complex sentence, but your linking idea essentially then is whether the two speakers are prepared or not. And the difference in the way the poet shows one group of people who are very, very prepared to survive nature, whereas an, the individual in the prelude was completely caught out by this yeah. power of nature. So it's quite a long um, uh, topic sentence, I think, because it's a bit more complex than some of the ones we've done before. We're focusing on a difference rather than a similarity at the start. Yeah, so you need, if you are focusing on a difference, you need to put more in. Yeah, don't you just say they're it. different, you've got to say, yeah. how are they different? Which can use up a few more words. It can. Yeah. So let's start by looking at Storm on the Island. Um, <clears throat> So the first six lines of the poem, interestingly, they don't actually focus on the storm itself at all. They focus on the preparations for the storm. Right. The poem begins, we are prepared. Mm -hmm. Simple sentence. Yeah, it's such a real, and there's such a confidence in that plural voice, that plural inclusive pronoun we. The word we is important there, isn't it? And the certainty. There is no, there's no space here for uncertainty. And in fact, the caesura that follows the simple sentence leaves us as a reader space to absorb that certainty. It's that pause for thought, isn't it? To take in how prepared they actually are. Caesura, just to remind you, of course, is a pause in the middle of a line of poetry. Yeah, and, and this is followed straight away afterwards by two, by, by two lines with, these, with the, these really simple monosyllabic words. Okay. So that means they're words of, of a single syllable. So let mm. me give you some examples. Build, squat, sink, walls. Mm-hmm. And they convey, they're describing the houses that they build to withstand the storm. And, but they, the, the words themselves in their simplicity convey a calm, a rootedness that's also kind of mirrored by the alliteration half rhyme. You've got rock, you've got roof, you've got squat, you've got slate. And um, a poet that I really like called Richard O'Brien, he metaphorically describes these as being like joists in this line. He describes these, these half rhymes alliteration as holding the line together, mirroring the solidity of the houses and the solidity of the words themselves. So I think if I've got what you're saying you're kind of saying that the language the simplistic language that's held together by these alliteration half rhyme yeah it's it's actually almost representative of the building of a house the way that the stanza of the poem is uh, is constructed much in the same way a strong house would be constructed yeah and so what Heaney's essentially uh, uh, evoking at the start there is this sense of solidity the sense of community this sense of togetherness yeah. and suggesting that this is the answer to the violence of the natural world very good and then that brings us on to the prelude so by way of contrast I suppose we've then got a speaker who is completely caught out and surprised yeah. by nature's and, awesome power. And totally lacking in agency at the start. Mm-hmm. So agency being the ability to make decisions for yourself. So he notes in the opening line in parentheses, brackets, that he was led by her to the boat. So he's being led on by someone or something. Yeah, so perhaps the her could of course refer to the boat itself or it could be the personification of nature. Mm-hmm. But what it implies is that um, as he goes to steal the shepherd's boat on this summer evening as a child, young Wordsworth he wasn't in control of this perhaps he's been controlled by nature itself yeah okay okay so completely the opposite yeah and this becomes um this becomes kind of more apparent as the poem goes on um However, unlike the storm that they're preparing for in, in Storm the Island, the, the, the nature initially in the prelude is actually, um, we don't see a ferocious assault of Heaney's storm. We see a, the sublime beauty right. of the rocky cove, the lone willow tree, the ripples that glittering idly in the moon. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful landscape, and it's only in the second half of the poem that the awe-inspiring power of nature begins. So there's a bit of a comparison here. So although they're very different, one is unprepared, one is prepared, initially we don't see the violence of nature in either poem. Okay, so we are linked instead 
by a sense of calmness and sort of sublimity and a, a peaceful yeah. tone at the start of the poem. Quite hard to work that idea in, but certainly, uh, certainly very relevant to it. I suppose the, the, the simpler idea that unites yep. that paragraph is the prepared versus unprepared yes. thing. But if, you're, but if you're pushing your grade sevens above, a final sentence you could just evaluate and saying, although there is this difference, actually, yeah. there's, similar, there's a similar structural feature in the sense that both initially don't focus on the violence of the storm itself. Very true. Very true indeed. So that would be our first paragraph. Where yeah. are you taking the argument now? I then want to look at the violent imagery. So there is, however, a real violence in the imagery used by the two poets to disp- depict the power of the natural world. So your first paragraph is very much the kind of paragraph where you provide a contrast between the two poems. Yeah. You're now moving on to something that you think they both do. Yeah, we're looking at language in both poems, that, so metaphors and similes, that highlights the violence. Mm-hmm. So let's start by looking at Storm on the Island. As the poem reaches its conclusion, the assonance, so that's repeated vowel sounds, so E, 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 um, again, it mirrors the violence of the metaphors used to describe the wind. So we've got it, hit, spit, sit, wind, invisibly. Mm -hmm. There's this barrage of sounds that that ties in with the military metaphors of the poem, that the wind is a a salvo, so that's shots all fired at once. It's strafes, that's like an aeroplane attacking them. Mm. They're bombarded. There's all these military metaphors that are are mirrored here by the, the violent assonance of these sounds that all evokes an impression of the the awe-inspiring inspiring power an of nature. An attack of nature. An attack of nature. So what your uh, complex idea, I think it's worth breaking down a little bit, what you're saying is that you've got two things working at the same time. You've got metaphors which are from the semantic field of military, like strafes, which is to yep. move sideways and shoot yep. at the same yep. time, if my Call of Duty knowledge is on point. <laughs> Salvo is... Um, firing at the same time. Firing things at the same time. And bombarded is like bombs, basically. Yeah. But you're saying that those images are actually supported by the sounds of the words like it, hit, spit, sit, wind. The real violence of yeah. the like it, it actually, you can hear the violence alongside those images of violence. And in contrast to the solidity and, and, and sense of rootedness that we see at the start of the poem. We've, now, we've moved on from that security to a more brutal, yeah. and yet dangerous the, the crux of the poem really lies in the sense that um, the contradiction uh, that comes right at the end of the poem, that the, these, these weapons used by nature... Their wind and space and emptiness. Mm-hmm. So the the poem the poem ends by by, by saying that we are bombarded um, by the empty air. Strange, it is a huge nothing that we fear. Mm. The suggestion is, of course, that despite its awe inspiring power, the wind literally is nothing. You cannot see it. You can only see its effects. So you have to be careful here because again, that's a sort of complication of the argument in yes. the middle of the paragraph, isn't it? We we've, we've said how. Sorry, I've got ahead of myself. Today. No, it's, it's all right. I think it's really good, but I think it's also worth bringing it back and thinking that well we're we're kind of saying two things we're saying on the one hand nature is presented as um awesomely powerful brutal in these various ways yet by the end of the poem yeah and you've got to be really clear that that's what you're saying that you've moved on to this point where actually at the end of the poem it is a great nothing it is nothing of of reality that they actually fear and I think this is a really good point for those of you trying to push Tony grade 7s into 8s and 8s into 9s if you can get that evaluation after you've made a point you make your point your simple point first if you can then add some kind of complication that can really help up level your your answer because as I've said many times it's not about how many points you make it's about the depth the quality and detail of them. Of and worth points. thinking if you are adding a complication to the argument that is when it becomes so important that you structure and signpost the essay properly little words like however you know so simple in nature but you have to use 
conjunctions effectively if you want to complicate an argument without yeah. losing that argument. Definitely. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I think and we also don't want to spend too long on that complication because we want to get yeah. to the prelude, the, the comparison. So this climax, yeah, <clears throat> um, there's a similar violence in the prelude. Yeah. So upon rowing out onto the Ellswater Reservoir, the speaker explains how suddenly he sees the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, a huge peak, black and huge, which, as if with voluntary power instinct, upreared its head. Right, it sounds alive, I think, yeah. is the first so, thing that's jumping so out So the there. technical th- term for this is a zoomorphic metaphor. Right. Um, and this is simply, it's like the opposite of personification. Personification, you turn an object into a, into, you give it human characteristics. A zoomorphic metaphor, you can see the Greek root zoo that people mm-hmm. might be familiar with from zoological gardens. It means to... T- or zoo. And, uh, or zoo. <laughs> uh, and uh, meaning animal, and morph mm-hmm. meaning to change. So a zoomorphic metaphor it means a metaphor that compares someone or something to an animal. Yeah. And so in this zoomorphic metaphor, um, the, the mountain is, 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 is described as this monstrous force, straight out of myth or allegory. And, 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 the, and the speaker's response is that he struck and struck again against the grim shape which strode after me. He's now being chased by the mountain, which of course, this mountain did not rise up out of the floor and start storming after him. But what it did create was this feeling that he was so small and insignificant and nature was so mighty that after he watched the peak of the mountain kind of loom up into the sky he then felt almost like it's prey yeah and we see therefore a contrast that his response to the the, the awe-inspiring power of nature is instead of the stoicism that means enduring yeah um, instead of enduring it like um the the islanders it really affected him didn't it yeah he's affected and he talks about how it hung over him and was a trouble to his dreams that that metaphorical idea of it hanging over him portrays it as this kind of force that he cannot escape yeah that's weighing him down mm-hmm. even in his dreams yeah and 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 he talks about how it it, it changes how he sees the world he says yeah. no pleasant images of trees or of, of sea or sky could remain in his imagination so you've really got two paragraphs there sort of and what i mean by that is not two different paragraphs i mean there's a really there's a, a quite a straightforward version of what you've said there and there's military also a metaphors. more complicated one yeah so the simple comparison is you've got the military metaphors in storm on the island that can be compared with a zoomorphic imagery in the prelude that both highlight you this violent language to describe the power of nature yeah and to be honest that's not even that simple is it? that's already <laughs> that's already quite a good paragraph True. but you've then got these two nice ways of complicating that which is how they then react to that yes yeah um and I think then, I mean, to be honest, you could actually split that into two paragraphs. I know we normally suggest writing about two poems in the same paragraph, but here there's so much to say. Yeah. You can almost, as long as you're comparing constantly, you could almost separate them out. Yeah, and I, I know I sound like a broken record here, but that is so the thing with poetry essays, isn't it? That you must let the reader know where you're taking their argument because you're dealing with two texts instead of one it becomes so so important so, that you're unlike taking your the speaker reader. in the prelude or exactly. similarly to the speaker just in the prelude, make sure you're constantly. taking your reader with you that is so so crucial so, where we'd finish this if we turn that into two paragraphs this might become a conclusion or if you have if you if you've shortened it a little bit perhaps in the simpler version okay. this might be a final paragraph but i think the final place i want to go is so what what is nature representing in the two poems so okay. I, I, the topic sense i've said is despite these differences there is ultimately a similarity in the way both poets use the power of nature as a symbol of something larger, something more complex. Right, something even larger than nature itself. Yes, yeah. So so in the prelude, of course, this episode functions as one of Wordsworth's spots of time, as we said, mm-hmm. which he writes with developing his poetic imagination. So the real power of nature is, is, is an inspiration. Mm. Um, and we could contrast this with Storm on the Island. It's feeling very much like a conclusion, actually, now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we can contrast this with Storm on the Island, where actually, for Heaney... Um, the poem could be seen as a metaphor for, as we said, for the violence of the troubles. And therefore, the suggestion is that 
if your response to the power of a storm is to endure it as a community, to build deep foundations in your mm. houses, you know, solidity, purposefulness. The suggestion perhaps is that to endure the violence, the sectarian violence of the troubles. Mm. Actually, the key to, to overcoming that is just community. like the key to overcoming community. And an interesting line to end on, I suppose, is the idea of then an incredibly personal experience that almost seems unique to the speaker in the prelude uh, versus almost a lesson, almost, almost an element of a didactic message about the importance of community. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. That actually, we could see Storm of the Island ultimately as a poem with a really clear didactic message teaching us about how we can overcome Stick not, together, only, guys. not only the violence of the natural world, but mm. the violence of humanity also. It's a lovely, it's a lovely point. Fantastic. And I think that kind of brings that essay to a conclusion yeah I mean I got a bit carried away at times but I quite yeah, enjoyed it I feel I had to really reel you in today so yeah. uh, that's why yeah. you're here Mr. exactly <laughs> I don't actually know anything I just stopped <laughs> getting, uh, getting over excited but yeah I think that um, that pretty much sums up that particular um, essay so as always if you've got any questions do get in contact with us on the email at englishrevisionpod at gmail.com yeah we love hearing from you so please get in touch we will be back on Monday with an podcast in which we are going to look at um a different representation we are going to move very much away from the natural world and look at the urban environment of london in william blake's poem i'm london. excited fantastic have a great weekend and well done on your mocks to our students and Woo! we will see you next time on gcse english revision pod